So we are several weeks, I think, at this point into our gifted series. If I was more thoroughly prepared, I could tell you how many. Can anybody tell me what week we are? No? Three? Four? Three or four? Okay. The teens, look, the teens have been paying attention. I like that. Um, and this week we are talking about the gift of receiving um, from a scripture um, in the book of James. But before we get there, um, I want you to just take a moment, think in a, in a non-spiritual way. We're not talking about God in this moment, but in a um, very, um, I guess not worldly way, but in a um, outside of the church kind of way about what your, the favorite gift you have ever received from whether it's a, a Christmas gift or birthday gift or, hey, I'm just thinking of you gift. Um, do, you, do you have one that immediately comes to mind? Uh, do you have to think uh, a little longer? Anybody? Aaron, what was your, what's a favorite gift you've ever received? Your bike. Bike's a pretty cool gift. What about uh, Wesley? Art, the ability to do archery. All right, look at that. Not just thinking of material things here. I like this. Anybody else have a gift that they've received that they'd be willing to share? Sarah? Awesome. Zach? Oh. When you were young or just recently? A while ago. Pretty fun thing now. They don't make them like they used to. Anybody else have a gift? Gifts from your children? Like the awesome dandelions? I guess. Uh, yes, sir, Mr. Dickinson. Oh, that is a pretty fantastic gift. Engagement ring? Not the guy who gave it to you, just the ring itself. <laughs> no, Lou's, Lou's pretty cool too, right? Anybody else? Lots of, lots of fantastic gifts out there. It's kind of hard, like, there's like the material types of gifts, there's the ability types of gifts, there's the people gifts, like, how do you, like, break down, like, which of my children is the favorite child that I've received out of the three? I probably, I list this morning whichever one wasn't clinging to my leg and crying um, that they wanted me forever. Um, yes, oh, it's very, it's adorable um, that they want me forever, except... They can't have me forever, and um, any moment that I leave them, the whole world hears about it. So that's, that's the kind of morning it was at the Miller House. Um, but the gift of receiving today, we're talking about um, these gifts that we receive from God. Um, our scripture uh, comes from the book of James, New Testament, uh, one of the epistles that's towards the end of the New Testament. Uh, James 1.17 says, Every good and perfect gift is from above coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. God is the giver of anything that is good. There is more good in this world and in our lives than most people realize. In the few verses before the text here in James 1.17, the few verses before that, we read about James talking about how he should consider it pure joy, brothers, when you face trials of many kinds, that even those are good and perfect gifts from God. Everything that we have is a gift from God and undeserved. After salvation and adoption into the family of God, every gift from God is a bonus. Every situation, no matter how difficult, is a gift designed 
to bring us good in both this life and the next. And those who don't understand this, don't understand that every gift has good in it, no matter how difficult, run the risk of seeing God as a God who changes. They think that one day God is good and blessing them with awesome and amazing gifts, and then the next day, when things may not be so awesome and amazing, maybe they think he's unaware of what Satan is doing or that God is powerless or maybe just not good anymore. But that's simply not true. The Father of heavenly lights does not change. He has been good and perfect from eternity past. He is good and perfect today, and he will be good and perfect tomorrow, along with everything that he does and everything that he gives. If we look a little deeper into the verse, that first part reads, Every good and perfect gift is from above. It is true that Satan has some kind of authority on earth in this current age to cause trouble, we should say. In John 12, 31, he, John refers to him as the prince of this world. But it's equally true that Satan is on a leash held by God, which you can read more about in the first two chapters of the book of Job, which is found in the Old Testament. So, God is above. Satan has the power of some sort of power here on earth because we live in a fallen world. But no good and pleasant thing comes from any other place than God. Even when we work hard from something, we still need to thank God for the ability to work. There is nothing we will ever do or achieve that will be completely of our own merit. As well, no hard thing should be considered any less than a perfect gift from God for our good. And honestly, that is a really hard reality, even for the most mature Christians, and something we can wrestle with for all of our days. Partly because our culture has let everything be, that is difficult be labeled bad, and only easy, fun things or things that come to us quickly as good. So it's pretty countercultural to look at things that are difficult, things that take hard work, or things that take a longer time and aren't instantly gratifying to us as good. But it's central to our faith and growth as a disciple. The second half of this verse reads, Coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. <clears throat> the heavenly lights, the sun, the stars, they burn bright all the time. The sun burns hot and bright, but daily is hidden from our view by the shifting shadows of the rotation of the earth. Our perspective may get shadowed, but the reality is unchanged. The sun continues to burn bright and hot. Like the heavenly lights, no matter what your perspective is of the goodness of God or his gifts, both pleasant and painful, God is burning bright and hot in his goodness. His holiness his perfection, and his lovingly fatherly attitude towards us as his children, who he never ceases to raise up into the likeness of his son Jesus. Like the son, God is always present and never changes, regardless of what we see or feel. And the gifts that we have received from him are as present and unchanging as he is. So there are many, and let me emphasize the word many, 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 many gifts that we receive from God. Good ones, hard ones, and somewhat in-between ones. I want to take some time this morning to highlight three of the gifts that we 
have received from God, or we have the opportunity to receive from God if we choose. Um, the first is wisdom. In Scripture, a gift that is often talked about being received from God is the gift of wisdom. Wisdom is one of the most perfect gifts that God can give to man. There are many examples of people in Scripture asking for this gift, but there is also a very well-known one, or the most well-known one, I would say, is that of Solomon, the king of Israel, who asked God for wisdom. In 1 Kings chapters 2 and 3, we read about how David had been the king of Israel for a very long time, and now his son Solomon was going to become the king. Before David died, he gave his son Solomon some very special instructions. David said, be strong and brave, obey God, and you will be a good king. God will keep his promise to us, and that every king of Israel will come from our family. David also told Solomon to make wise choices. And so when, Solomon, or when David died, Solomon became the king. And one night, God talked to Solomon in a dream, and he said, Solomon, ask for anything you want, and I will give it to you. Now, a king might ask to live a long life or to be very rich. He could have asked God to take away all of his enemies or make his entire reign peaceful or make everybody listen to everything he said. And as I think about this, about what I would have asked, I know like the virtuous, there's, there's the virtuous answer of, you know, like Solomon who asked for wisdom. And there's what I would ask in the moment. Like if I was given this dream this last night and I would say, God asks me, hey, what do you want? What do you want most in this moment? And I probably would have said when I wake up that my children will actually listen to the things that I've asked for them. Or they'll come downstairs and get their pajamas or get dressed and it won't be a difficult thing. Like I think about what's in the moment, what's going to make my life easier right now. Um, or that the floor will sleep, sweep itself or the dishwasher will get emptied or the laundry will, like all of the things that would make life simpler or less stressful. Um, those are the things that would come to mind because um, it's a very in-the-moment thing, which is kind of how we look at gifts and the things we receive. How, how is this going to make my life easier? But Solomon, he wasn't thinking that way. Solomon was thinking about how God could help him lead his people better. And Solomon did not ask for riches or to live a long time. He asked for something even better. Solomon said, God, I am young, and I don't know very much about being a king. Please make me wise. Help me obey you, help me know what is right and wrong, and help me be a good leader. So God replied to Solomon, I'm happy you asked for wisdom. I'm going to make you more wise and understanding than anyone that has ever lived. No one in the future will ever be as wise as you, Solomon. And then he also said, because you asked for wisdom, I will also give you what you did not ask for. Long life, riches, and honor, you will be greater than any other king while you are alive. Solomon woke up from his dream. He thanked God and praised him. And overall, asking for wisdom worked out pretty well for Solomon. It helped him. It didn't make life perfect, but it definitely helped him as he ruled God's people. James, the, the author of the book that our beginning verse started in, also encourages us to ask for the same wisdom that Solomon asked for. In James 1.5, he writes, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. I think last week, Pastor Sam spent the, the sermon talking about asking and the gift of asking, and some, sometimes we um, are hesitant or nervous or struggle to ask, and that over and over in Scripture, God just boldly says, ask, ask and you will be given to you. Ask for the wisdom, ask for my presence, ask for these things. I want to give them to you. 
I want you to receive them, but you have to be willing, you have to be open. As Jen spoke about earlier, the, this idea of receiving gifts is um, an idea of, of surrendering and knowing that I need something that I don't have, and so I have to be willing to admit that I don't have it all together, that I need wisdom, that I'm not smart enough or wise enough to know how to handle this situation, that I need God's presence more in my life. So it's about admitting and surrendering this idea that I'm lacking and I need God to provide what I don't have. One of the second gifts uh, that we have the opportunity to receive from God is the fruits of the Spirit. Uh, I was tempted to sing a very fantastic song or invite my son Reese to come up here. Um, he did mention yesterday um, that when I was speaking, he was going to come up and uh, hold on to my leg for the entire time. Um, he's six, and I'm really grateful that he has forgotten that idea um, because he probably would have followed through if he remembered. Um, but he also, one of his favorite songs for years was the Fruits of the Spirit song. Um, and like the Fruit of the Spirit's not a coconut. Anybody ever heard that song? It's pretty fantastic. Wesley, volunteering to sing for us? No, not so much. Well, fruit of the Spirit is not a coconut, but the fruits of the Spirit, as found in Galatians chapter 5, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And the fruit of the Spirit, so fruit of, byproduct of, so the byproduct of having God's Spirit living in our life are these things. The fruit of the Spirit are not things that we build by ourselves. They're not something that we can purchase or acquire in any other way, but by receiving God's Spirit and receiving the gift of them in our life. Having joy, being joyful, for example, is a gift. Joy is found in the presence of God. So to have these gifts, to experience these fruits of the Spirit, we have to spend more time with God. We have to be open to receiving what God has for us. What about the fruit of the spirit of patience? The, the old adage, I really, I, Pastor Sam is really good at stories. He can find a story that connects to anything that he has to share with our, our church here. And I'm sure if he was, had this task this morning, uh, talking about patience, that he could have come up with a good handful of stories about patience. But the only thing I thought of was the uh, the old the saying that you should never ask God for patience or else he will give it to you. Or like that first time, the idea, you ask for something, you ask for patience um, in general or in life or, you know, to build patience with your children or whatever, and then that's the morning you get stuck in rush hour traffic or the highway closes down or your pipe bursts or all the things. That the moment you ask for something is the, the moment everything becomes more difficult because you wanted to grow patience, so why not have to live that out? The sentiment is a common joke among those that want to grow patience and experience difficult situations that then force them to be more patient. And it seems in today's world, everything is designed to test patience. Traffic, the 24-hour news cycles, other people. But God's gift of patience comes to us as a gift as we grow in relationship with him. The more time spent in God's presence the more patient we become. And now that may sound a little too good to be true, considering the world we live in, but I was thinking about how patient Jesus had to be to put up with his disciples and all the other ridiculousness he encountered. Um, our small group spent the last few sections of times of small group watching the Chosen series. Has anybody ever 
Watch Chosen. Um, and watching that, I know there's a, a bit of creative license in there, um, but just watching how Jesus had to interact with the humanity of his disciples, and really, ridiculousness is the, the best word I have for it, just the, the constant doubting, the when James and John fighting over who's going to be the greatest and wanting to, like, mess up people's fields and, like, really just bananas kind of stuff. Like, and Jesus did it every day. And all of the people outside of the disciples who didn't get it, who didn't understand who Jesus was, he was patient with them. He didn't rush people. He didn't push people into accepting him, to knowing him. And he was God. He was in this moment bringing salvation to the world and he was patient with these people who didn't quite understand yet. And so as trite or corny or cliche as it may sound, as if Jesus can do it, if, if, Jesus can, if Jesus modeled that patient, if Jesus, as someone who spent time with God to be more like God because he was God, that the more time we spend with God, the more time we become, the more we become like Jesus. And if Jesus can be patient with his disciples, and with us for that matter, then we can be patient, or I, I guess this is, so I can be patient with my four-year-old who refuses to put on her shoes as we are rushing out the door because they don't feel right that morning or because she needs socks or she needs a different pair of shoes or whatever thousands of reasons that she has for that moment, that there's, that there's no need to rush in that moment, that I can be patient because nothing about getting out the door at, on time is that big of a deal, but it feels like it in that moment. So we've got the gifts of wisdom, or the gift of wisdom, the gifts of the fruits of the Spirit, two things that we can receive from God in our relationship with Him. And the last that I want to talk about this morning is the gift of salvation. It's the final gift in the conversation this morning, but it's not, like I said, there are many, many other gifts. This would probably be considered considered the ultimate gift that we receive by faith from God. A gift we're only able to receive with an open and a surrendered heart. This is the greatest gift that man can ever receive from God. It's a gift of freedom from our sin, from a life separated from God. It is a gift that gives an escape from death. Ephesians 2, 8-9 through 9 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. We cannot boast that we are saved by our own powers. We have absolutely zero, none, not even a little bit of power to save ourselves from sin and hell. Salvation is from God as a gift through Christ. God's choice to redeem our relationship with him, his master redemption plan that began when at, God, slow down. Slow the brain down. His master redemption plan that began with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden and is woven throughout the story and the lives of his people in Scripture. It was a gift free of charge to us, but deeply costly to him. And as we receive this priceless gift, we accept this gift of being saved from our sin, being delivered from this giant chasm that separated us from being in a right and whole and holy relationship with God. We accept the invitation to live our life in God's fullness and to experience his kingdom 
both here on earth and in heaven. And of all the gifts that we receive, that is the most life-changing gift. Because it takes us from being separated and so far away from God to being able to be in right relationship with him. Which is what he's called all of us to. God is the giver of all things. Every gift, whether we see it as a gift or not, comes from God. As followers of Christ, we are called to receive these gifts in faith, to ask and receive the gifts of wisdom, to receive and live out the fruit of the Spirit in our lives, and to live and lean deep into the priceless gift of salvation, receiving the gift of life in its fullness, both in this world and for eternity. The act of receiving gifts is an act of faith, but also an act of surrender. By by being willing to receive, we are acknowledging our need, that we are lacking something in our life, and that only God, the never-changing giver of good gifts, can give it to us. This morning, I would like to invite the worship team to come back and lead us in the song, I Surrender All. I encourage you to take a moment as this song is playing and as they lead us, to search your heart for the places in your life that you might be lacking, that you may need to lay down your ability to provide for yourself and accept the good gifts that God has for you to receive. As we leave this place this morning, I pray that in every moment of this day, may you surrender to God's call. May you receive the gift of God's love. May you hear the whisper of God's voice. May you feel the presence of God's spirit and may you share the knowledge of God's grace with all you meet. Amen.